0: Welcome to Coffee with the College, a podcast brought to you by the American College of Healthcare Executives, Wisconsin chapter. Our goal is for listeners to find this podcast as relaxing as coffee with friends and just as comfortable as our guests and observers banter about questions that are on all of our minds. If you've listened to these podcasts before, you know the drill. I'm your host, Janet Schultz. I'm Chief Information Officer at a human services company called MyPath. Our observers are Brian Mahalski, health system specialist at the VA Medical Center in Milwaukee, and Madeline Bushman, who is an operations manager in the Mayo Clinic Health System, Department of Family Medicine. Our topic today is boldly breaking through silos and how silos impact organizational effectiveness. Our guest for this topic is Michael Grubich. Mike is president and chief talent officer at the LAK Group. Prior to his current role, he led talent and organizational development at Aurora Healthcare. Welcome, Mike. Yeah, Thanks for having me. Madeline, Brian, do you want to chime in so our listeners get to know your voices? Hello, Janet. Welcome, Mike.
1: Hi, Janet. Mike, great to be here. This is Brian.
0: Um, so Mike I would appreciate it if you take a few moments because our listeners really like to hear about um, the history and a little bit of the career path of our guests so could you take a few moments to tell us about yourself before we get into the topic of the day?
2: yeah, I'd welcome that uh I, my my journey has been a little eclectic at best which is which I actually really love um my um, you know, as you had stated before, uh, right now, I uh, am owner and president of a consulting firm called LAK Group, um, which I uh, uh, took over in two thousand and nineteen. Prior to that, I was the senior vice President of Talent and OD for Advocate Aurora Health uh, for a number of years, um, was involved in a lot of the elements when Advocate and Aurora were coming together, and their journey continues um, uh, even today. Um, prior to that, uh, I was not in healthcare. I spent um, time um, traveling around the world for a lot of different companies. I was a global HR VP for uh, CNH Industrial, so their heavy equipment, agriculture, construction, uh, trucks, buses, things like that, um, and spent a lot of time in South America and Europe with that organization. Uh, before that, I was with Kohler Company, where I was the global head of talent OD and also had diversity and inclusion as part of my accountability. I am also spent a lot of time in Asia and Europe with that organization, um, uh, uh, but in really building that, the global capabilities from a talent point of view. And then prior to my time at Kohler Company, I worked for Jockey, uh, which is an apparel company in Kenosha. Where I um, spent a lot of time in all kinds of roles. There um, was HR for the retail business, and but also was a learning and development leader for that organization for a number of years as well. So, so lots of uh, steps along the way uh, throughout my career, and and um, you know each each has been different from an industry point of view, but um, always on the talent or HR side, and and um, has had have had a lot of different uh, really um, career kind of driving experiences throughout that path.
0: Thanks for that flyover, Mike. And yeah. suffice to say, given what you described, I bet you've seen your fair share of silos. So, um, good topic to talk about today, I think.
2: Yeah, it's it is not a it is not an industry specific problem. It's it is certainly a, just a business problem, um, and you know, varying things that have happened over the number of years have have seemed to strengthen some of those silos um, in, in a lot of organizations.
0: So um, the listeners might have guessed by now that as Mike and I talked about areas of focus for today's podcast, um, one of the things that I asked Mike was what he's been seeing more of lately in the LAK Group's consulting practice. And your comment back to me, Mike, at that time was that you're seeing that more deep silos have been built in organizations over the last few years, a lot more of thinking separately and not as one organization now to me that sounds risky um, can you tell us more about what you're seeing
2: yeah it's 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 uh, silos have always been around in organizations and um but what what's happened what we've seen anyway over the last couple of years uh, as we've shifted to this more work from home hybrid model uh, you, you and the you know the varying things that were affecting um, our, our um industries affecting us just personally with the, the COVID pandemic that came, that hit the world. Uh, people got really centered on what do I need to do to be effective and, and how do we manage through these challenges? And they they did a great job finding ways to um, engage their team and, and communicate more and strengthen that, even though people were separate and, and, and distant from each other. But what started to happen is that you started to see functions um that were doing a great job within that function lose track and connection with the other functions that they depend on to be effective as a a greater organization. So we we talk a lot about systems thinking in organizations and and that systems thinking started to go diminish a little bit because people started to think more functionally or local.
1: Uh, Thanks, Mike. Uh, How on a basic level do silos impact organizational
2: effectiveness? Yeah, so one of the biggest things that we see is you see lots of duplication of effort. Um, so, for using a healthcare example, you would have, um, you know, a, a, within a hospital or a clinic, people doing multiple tasks. Uh, whether it be a different shift or even on the same shift that others are also working on because they're not talking together. You know, so you have an operations group that's doing one thing. Uh, You have the clinician group that's doing another. You have administration who is maybe focusing in another area. And and if they're not aligned, uh, you start to see costs go up. You start to see rework go up. You start to see experience of the uh, caregiver go up, which then, as you all know, kind of translates into that, that patient experience as well. So inefficiencies start to happen. Um, supply chains start to get diminished. All those things start to impact each other. Uh, one other thing, Brian, that I would add to that is uh, you you see growing frustration in the employee base, right, because they see these disconnections. And uh, the challenges that you see in organizations is that leaders uh, once they become aware of challenges, it's probably, you know, about a two or three or um, four times delay from when the, the frontline worker is seeing that. And, and and so it's that lagging, that lagging impact.
1: Thanks. Yeah. Uh, and I think before we, I, not to foreshadow too much of how we, uh, what we're going to talk about and, and how we break through these, uh, you talked about working globally uh, are there any cultural differences or like i guess to go even deeper like are there forms of silos or types of silos and how they how they're created and maybe we can get into this a little bit later um as to tactics um, but i guess from a again from a basic level uh, are there trends in the in the way these form or is it pretty widespread the same way
2: Yeah, it's a great question. Fundamentally, where we see the biggest focus is around organizational or functional silos. Uh, You know, leaders are accountable for getting certain things done, right? And, And they set goals and there's expectations and they're evaluated on that, compensated on that in most cases. And so they get very laser focused on getting that done. And many times, if you're not thinking about the system as an entity, as you're making decisions, you start to make decisions that are for the good of your function. Your intentions aren't bad. It's not that people are bad intentioned. It's just that they get focused on what they're responsible for. Um, it's I, I liken it to, you know, if, if, you know, if I'm at, at home and my wife and I are working on something and I'm accountable for, you know, taking out the trash and doing certain things and she's accountable for other things, you know, before you know it, we're, we're bouncing into each other and crossing over because we're just focused on I got to get these things done. And uh, it, it, it's similar things in in larger systems that are more complex. Uh, if people get too focused on just what they're responsible for and not thinking about the impact on the other areas that they that they touch, you you it leads to a lot of inefficiencies and a lot of frustrations, and then you start to see relationships start to get damaged. Yeah, tunnel vision. Just it, it really is. It, it it really is. And and again, I think in my experience. Generally, there's positive intent, right? It's not that people are trying to be poor or, or underperform or negative. Their intent is positive. It's just that they get so focused on what we're doing, or and, and organizations cause this a little bit, right? They, how they incentivize, how they, um, how they manage different functions or manage processes. Uh, they a lot of times organizations encourage driving results in the area that you're you're accountable for and it takes a good leader and it takes strong um strong leaders to really start to look beyond that and and understand the impact on others
1: yeah no knowing those secondary and tertiary effects of what you're doing is key to do that spend the time up front to not have to do twice the time later exactly
2: exactly
3: Mike, so it sounds like this is a pretty important topic to get right in an organization. You know, you shared with us a lot of the... Um You know, the issues that can crop up if, you know, if you stated costs go up and efficiencies happen, we have misalignment with um, goals and expectations uh, within the various teams, clinical, administration, operations. And I want to narrow our focus here. If there's one thing that our listeners can take away um, from this podcast today, what would you state is the most effective way to break through silos?
2: Yeah. So one of the things that I would say um if if i if I were to encourage any leader to look at this is to start with communication across those functions. it it It, it may sound overly simple, but it really is. Right, and, you, and to start to have more dialogue across functions and asking about impact, how did this impact you? What could I have done differently? Uh, build though, that that communication pipeline and that that relationship strength, uh, because then you're gonna have more trust, you're gonna start to build trust. A lot of times people get so laser focused, they just worry about what's important to them and they don't step back and and really understand how it's impacting others and they don't have enough trust built or a good enough relationship built to go just have a candid dialogue with someone. So the more communication you can start to really get in there and and inject that into your processes, the the more effective you're gonna be at breaking down silos. More times than not, if you just go talk to someone versus assuming something, um, you're gonna work it out. Um, One other thing I would add, Madeline, on that is, people need to assume positive intent. And I, I, and throughout my career and I've been doing this for 25 plus years, it is rare that I've run into someone who is has a negative intent with what he or she is going to do. They genuinely are trying to do as good a job as possible for the, in the role that they're in. So when you when you when you feel a resistance or you feel something negative or there's conflict that's brewing, you got to step back and assume positive intent first and then you can resolve the issue.
3: What advice would you give someone who's on that receiving end of the communication? if so if um, someone was coming to a group to um, propose a change and that change is going to impact that group and they they're feeling the um, they need to navigate that positive intent, right? Mm -hmm. So what advice would you give that person to change the, to help them move through that and, and, uh, look through that, um, interaction with a different lens?
2: Yeah, great question. Um, I I start with curiosity, ask lots of questions, um, try to understand what, what the, the real impact is. Um, and the second thing I would say is make sure you step back and realize that the decisions you take. Um, certainly impact you and your team, but also impact others in the organization. And so consider the impact on the greater system as opposed to just the area that you're responsible for. So curiosity and thinking as a system versus thinking as a function. You know, one, um, one uh, example as, as, as um, I'm thinking that comes to mind is in a healthcare specific example is, um, is looking at service lines right and and all too often in healthcare systems you have your organization structures that are functional you know and different functions work and and have goals for that function so as a nursing function i have a goal as a as a as a um, the food service function i have a goal as an administration team you know whether it be finance or or marketing or what have you i have these goals Instead of instead of looking at things functionally, start to break things down uh, through a service line. So if I'm accountable for oncology, I have everything that touches oncology that rolls into me, um, whether it be nursing, whether it be the clinician, whether it be the administration, whether it be the um, the, the nursing assistants, what have you, they all roll into that leader of that service line. Um, in, in non-healthcare organizations, that's how I've seen silos get broken down. Instead of having manufacturing, engineering, marketing, sales, finance, accounting, and HR that are um, uh, vertical um, organizations, make them more horizontal to where I have a leader who has accountable for all of those functions in the business that I'm responsible for. So now you look at the organization holistically, and and you start to naturally break down silos through the organization, and then the relationships start to form.
1: So my uh so you're talking about functional units versus like professional units. Basically the function works together, but all as one versus each individual profession and they just happen to do similar. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. It, yeah. Fundamentally, yeah. It's it it it's um, you know, I would use the term system, right? It's looking at okay. it as a system. So if I'm in a clinic. Uh, do I, you know, what is the entire element operationally for a clinic and have someone who's accountable for all of those elements? Uh, and, and, and so that way, when you measure their performance, whether it be their, their in, in the caregiver experience, the patient experience, the financial, um, uh, performance of that organization, they're accountable from A to Z, right. Uh, and not just for A and B. That gives the leader of that of that unit more
1: of a diverse um, view of their unit, knowing, like you said, the finance to the clinical practice. Yeah. Correct.
2: Correct.
0: On behalf of Coffee with the College, we'd like to thank our sponsors. Thanks to our premier sponsors, Epstein UN Architects, HGA, Hush Blackwell, and thank you as well to our preferred sponsors. CG Schmidt, Findorf, Paul Render, Nutanix, Plunkett Research Architects, and Quarles and Brady. No, I I just think that's a really Um, keen observation, Mike, because in my days in healthcare, the service lines were an effective way to cut across the functional silos. So, and um, the cancer service line is a classic example, right? Because there are so many uh, nuances in terms of helping someone navigate cancer and and if you bump up against any of the silos, you're not going to provide patient-centered care.
2: Right. <laughs> right? Exactly. So if
0: you go to dietary and they say, well, we can't accommodate you know, that timing of the food delivery or that nuance of the uh, food need, Um You've compromised patient-centered care, so I I think your that is a really important observation to, to bring forward, Mike, because it kind of gets to the next thing we were going to ask you about, and that is how can organizations prevent silos in the first place?
2: Yeah, it's it's a it's a great question and a complicated question because there's there's not one thing. Um, but let me let me talk through some of the things that organizations can do. Um, one of the first things that I I encourage uh, organizations to look at is just overall process. What what you know what are the processes that make that organization work good, right? You have a strategy. Your strategy drives processes, and then processes drives you know the day to day behaviors of people. So. Are there processes that need to be realigned or shifted uh, to be more efficient? That's one thing you can do. Um, second is looking at the structure. Are there ways that you can inter, intertwine some of the functions to where that they they structurally have to work together? Um, so is, is it organized? That goes to what I was saying before about the... Um, the the service line or the system view of how you're structured versus the the vertical view of how you're structured. Um, A third thing I would say, which is, I think, a really, really important thing, is how do you get people to understand what roles outside of their area of accountability are doing? And whether it be giving people time rotating into other roles, just to learn about them, so that they learn how the system works, not just how their area of responsibility works. Um, so uh, you know, a finance person understanding certainly what her role as a, as a, as an accounting manager is, but can she spend time in the clinic and understand what happens day to day in the clinic? Not to become a uh, a nurse or a, a physician or a therapist just to understand the process. Um, And same goes on the clinical side. So more time people can spend learning the different functional areas helps with thinking more as a system. And also, by the way, it prepares them if they do move into leadership roles to to really understand scope versus versus, um, just the depth of their role. Um, So, and then the fourth thing I would say is, are your... your reward recognition, your, your system tools aligned with what you're trying to accomplish as an organization? Are you rewarding the right behaviors? Um, are there co- positive or negative consequences for the things that you want people to do? Um, making sure those are aligned because they'll, they'll, they will contradict or inhibit your ability to think as a system. If everything that you do from a goal setting and rewards uh, point of view, tell you to focus on your function. So those are four things that that real quick come to mind as to how do you start to really get breakdown or prevent silos from forming. Um, probably all of that is encircled by communication, communication, communication.
3: So, Mike, you touched on this um, and this helped teed up this next question that I have for you with the, the finance leader and spending mm-hmm. time within the clinical space to to learn that different functional area. And I I would um, see that as at least one tactic in which we can start to break down these silos. But what other different leadership tactics uh, are needed to break down silos?
2: Yeah, uh, great question. So so one of the big things leaders can do is is ask the questions right. Uh, uh, ask about impact, not not just focusing on the what, but how are you doing things. Um, with with their direct reports, their direct staff. So many, many times leaders get very focused on, did you accomplish your tasks? Did you get it done by this time? What were the results? Uh, they don't spend time talking about the how. And, and leaders focusing on that how element really is going to push and encourage individuals to reach outside of their areas of, of responsibility. Uh, the second is leaders engaging with their peers and colleagues, not just about Hey, Mike, did you get this done in time? When am I going to see this? Start to talk about how you're working. Are there things you can do do better uh, to to improve the process of the system? And, And the third thing I would say with regards to that from a leadership behavior point of view is that they need to sometimes realize or they need to realize sometimes the decision that they make is going to be good, better for the organization. It may not feel as great for their specific function. So they have to be open to the fact that they're working for the entity, not the function that they're accountable for. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes leaders make is that they will say, well, I'm in charge of finance for Advocate Aurora Health. Well, no, you're in charge of advocate or our health and finance just seems is one of those areas that you're responsible for. And so leaders need to think that they're making decisions for the organization, not for the function that they're accountable. They need to change that mind sh- mindset mindset.
3: Yeah, and I like how you talk about the the how and, uh, when I hear that, I'm thinking about, you know, the, the process you mentioned from A to Z, right. Mm-hmm. And being the most efficient and you, if you're focusing solely on the outcomes, did you complete the thing? Did you, what was the outcome of the thing? Um, but how did you, how did you do it? Um, that can allow you to then assess, assess the how, and are, are we the most efficient that we can be?
2: Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, a it's, it is, a it is a big challenge Uh, and and again it's the hard part is that there's so much pressure you know and and, and healthcare specifically just using that as an example the pressure to with staffing shortages with with the, the 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 inflow of the patient population coming in all the variety of different things that can happen that so many different elements are important for a great patient experience it, it can get real com- complex because every single one of those individuals is trying to do the best that he or she can do to service that patient need. Uh, but sometimes, and I hate to use the term but, but in this case I will, but you got to step back and think what's the best thing for the organization because that's going to create the best experience um, because if you do something out of line, then maybe Maybe the, 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 the patient doesn't receive exactly the right care that he or she's supposed to receive, or maybe maybe they're charged for something that they weren't supposed to be charged for or not charged for, so for something that they should have been. All these little things or little nuances start to get missed.
0: So, Mike, um, Mike, we've talked a lot kind of theoretically about how leaders or organizations can plan to avoid or break down silos depending on where they're at. Um, I, I just feel compelled to ask you this question. Do you have like a horror story or a success story you can share with us? You get to pick which one.
2: Yeah, I can. Um, let me share you a good success story. And it was a, uh, an uh, organization that um, was uh, I was working with. And they're an app- apparel organization. And anyone who's worked in retail throughout their life knows that the, the more the more quickly you can get product out to market, the more opportunity you have, especially if it's a fashion type of of uh, of a merchandise. Um, this organization was traditionally would take about fifteen to seventeen months to get new product designed and out to market, uh, where in in the retail business, if you were under you needed to be under 12 months. So they needed to find how to cut out about five months of design time. Um, this organization spent a lot of time looking at processes and, and looking for inefficiencies in processes. And, and once they defined the processes, they um, addressed the organization. And what they did, uh, kind of referencing something we talked about earlier, is they, they took all the functions and disbanded the functions and put them under a leader of that that um, line. In this case, it was a men's line. And um, that leader had accountability for um, product development, sales, marketing, finance, HR, um, operations, manufacturing operations, supply chain, all of those elements. And those groups started working together, um, planning out their, their design process, and they reduced their cycle time to just over 10 months. Um, or their, their product design time this over 10 months. So took nearly half of the, the lead time out to design a new product, which saved in the number of people they needed on their team because they became more efficient. Um, they saw their margins increase. They saw processes get eliminated because they were inefficient and their profitability overall increased by, if I remember correctly, almost 10% uh, just based on removing all of those expenses. So that's a success story. Um, I've seen a lot of horror stories with organizations where because the people were making decisions based on their function versus the entity, they've designed products or services that weren't even really valued or needed by the end customer and fundamentally wasted millions of dollars on that design. That, that resulted in zero or limited sales. So it, it can have a huge financial impact on an organization if you don't have alignment with functions and you don't think like a greater system. So just in summary, in, in working as a system and removing the barriers and the silos, this organization took a process from design to development of 17 months down to just over 10 months. And that really improved the profitability, the effectiveness, and just the overall results of that organization.
3: Yeah, that's an excellent example.
0: So, Mike... Um, We're coming to the end of our time here, and on behalf of Madeline, Brian, and our listeners, thank you so much for making time to be with us today. Um, This is such an important topic for organizations, and so I'm going to try and just tease out a few themes that we can all walk away with. So first of all, understanding the impact of silos on organizational effectiveness and that, oh my goodness, the duplication of effort and the frustrations and the expense that can bring none of us can afford that today so that in and of itself is a reason to really think deeply about how to how to knock them down right and then we did talk about some fundamental principles here one being uh, talk versus assume so in other words assume positive intention And from that assumption, do talk about your assumptions, right? Mm -hmm. And then I thought you gave a great framework to either break down silos or prevent them in the first place in terms of being a system thinker and think about structure and think about maybe shadowing or how we can help people understand other roles and be very careful and cautious in setting up. Um, productive and not destructive reward and recognition structures. So I thought that was a great conversation and it actually gave a framework for some of what we were talking about today. And then finally, uh, I think one of the punchlines you shared in response to Madeline's question about leadership tactics was... That at the end of the day, as leaders, we have to remember that we're working for the entity and not the function that we're accountable for. And that if, if we put that kind of as a banner at the start of our thinking, uh, we can start to break down silos just by starting at that point. So with that, again, um, thank you so much, Mike. And listeners, we look forward to you joining us for our next podcast.
2: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.